0: This podcast is Wild and Radio.com. Hi, Tim Kask here. Faced with a TPK and have no idea what to do? Well, you might have, had you
1: listened
0: to Save or Die. You burst through the door, you find a small room filled with golden jewels. And a red dragon, he starts to breathe. Save or die! <laughs>
2: The Save or Die podcast, a podcast about classic dungeons and dragons. Bring on your
3: goblin holes and band of oaks. Hawking zombies ain't and on no no troll. Don't slow me down, oh no. Don't make a vicious, have a vicious, awesome, So this ain't supposed to happen?
2: <laughs> this is what... Liz does
3: everything adorably. I mean, you know, she just
2: drinks, she just <laughs> Oh, she's out. drooling in the corner. That's so cute. I, mean, <laughs> I, I
3: got to agree. Yeah, she's just mad unspeakably and, adorable. Even when you're mad and you cuss, you're adorable.
2: Yep.
1: <laughs> Snoochie Boochies, everybody.
3: Neighbor or die, number 87.
0: And I was worried about burping. Woochie? Snoochie Boochies. Is that like Snoo Snoo or? <laughs> uh, G-
1: Jay and <laughs> well, Silent you, Bob. You need to Never watch mind.
2: Clerks or any of the Jay and Silent Bob movies.
1: Yeah. True. Anyway. Still out of Mike's mouth. Oh. <laughs> Fab four once again. DM Mike with DM Liz. Hello, hello. DM Jim.
3: Greetings, programs.
1: And DM Glenn. Oh, let's say hello out there. And this time we're doing the, what was it, the hot tub email time machine? Yeah, that's it. Because we've got emails from the past that we need to visit. Is this far too many? We do. Mm -hmm. This only catches us up to January 20th. (laughs) Yes. Uh. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Okay, so we're just blowing a hole in the email bag, we're not killing it.
2: No, we are by no means killing the email bag.
0: That's the, if, yeah. if
2: nothing else, we're just trying to make it into a fair fight again. <laughs>
0: mm. Is this, oh, yeah. this going to end up as a monster and say, one of Mike's games or something, the email bag? Mm. Huh?
2: It might. Kind of like be? a bag of devouring. Only you <laughs> Only open have it emails and, and mail comes flying out and hits you in the face.
1: Or something. Mm. Sounds funny. All right. Well, before we get to our email cornucopia… Mm. What have we been doing since the last episode? Jim?
3: I like it somebody. when you use those $5 words there. It's kind of hot. S- somebody got
1: it for Sorcerer. <laughs> <Christmas>. Gygaxian.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, thanks to Deadlines and GaryCon, I haven't done any gaming, except maybe this counts. I invented a game for GaryCon. Woo-hoo. Does that kind of count? I think that counts. Um I'm running uh, my version of uh, DCC RPG Mutant Crawl Classics, and I wanted some swag to give my players, because the DCC players all get swag from Goodman. So I uh, found a guy and made these uh, green D6, and the numbers 2 through 6 are in the broken glass font, like Gamma World and Metamorphosis Alpha logos. Mm
2: -hmm. And
3: the one pip is a radiation symbol. Oh, (laughs) And, I'm well, envious. I'm and, envious. And because I'm keeping the dice currently in a Chester drawer with my grandfather's World War II radium uh, pocket watch, they will actually be radioactive. By <laughs> sweet
0: drawers!
3: So I'm, you I'm, can't I'm, get radioactive
1: dice anywhere.
3: That's right. You can't guarantee the luck of a die, but I can guarantee these will be mildly radioactive. I mean,
2: and you might get some kind of mutation.
3: Yeah, um, I don't like think, being able take to responsibility uh, for that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like being able to, like, roll dice with your mind.
3: Mm. So uh, those are to give out to my players, but anybody can get one. Um, It's a contest I'm running all Gary Con long. You just come up, roll your D6 against mine. You win. You get a radioactive die. I win. You have to go buy Jim Ward a Coke. Hmm. That sounds great for Jim.
1: (laughs) uh, There's a whole (laughs) list
3: of people like Joseph Goodman and Tim Kask. Okay, so you're going to share the wealth, as it were. I thought it was pretty ingenious. You know, free sodas yeah. all weekend long. Free, yeah. Do you get any free sodas? Well, I'm I'm technically on that list, but I don't care.
0: Okay. Cool. Glenn? Well, before I go on, I want to say uh, rest in peace, Aaron Alston.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah nice. that
0: sucked. I wish I would have known you, but uh, you were a great guy. Thanks. And also – We're a champion's so- guru. Yes, the champions and D&D and Star Wars guru, I found out. Um, and I'd also like to say, um, you mentioned Jim Ward. Um, best of luck recovering. He just had a stint put in. And uh, he's, I hear he's recovering nicely. So cool. now that I brought the program down.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I exchanged emails very, with Jim this morning. He's in good shape.
0: Good, good. This is a very special episode of Save or Die. Um Let's see. What have I been doing? Uh, I did my Star Wars game Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of fun. Um, we're still trying to get out of port. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like our game, Liz. I in... know. We got, got out once, then we went to another port, and now it's going to be another three games where we're not going to be able to get out of port again. <laughs>
3: stuck um, in Docking Bay 94.
0: Something like that. 94. Well, that's, actually, this is going to be my last Star Wars game for a while because I start – Read through and rehearsal of my next show Monday, Woohoo. and uh, that's going to be going for a couple of months. So, mm. uh, but I'll still here be here with you, saber eye people. Oh Aww. boy, da 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 da! I also got some stuff. I managed to find. I, I have no basic stuff to buy. I have no basic stuff to buy anymore. I bought it all, uh, but <laughs> I did manage to find the Monsters Compendium at Half Price Books. Eight bucks for three volumes of these huge binders.
2: So eight bucks all together, or eight bucks
0: for each volume? Eight, 24, okay. 25 bucks. Um, it had Volume One, Volume Two, plus the Forgotten Realms appendix, the Dragonlands appendix, the Outer Plains appendix, the Greyhawk appendix, and the Fiend Folio appendix. Taco. <laughs> yeah. Plus, like a lot of monsters from somewhere else called Skyfire that I'd never seen before. So, and and get this—they were all in great shape, and they were all page protected. Ooh, wow! Nice. Wow, for eight bucks a piece is not bad.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. I also bought a copy of uh, the D20 Toolbox, which is. Well, I'm wondering why I the, bought that because I already have Ultimate Toolbox. Um, you just
2: couldn't stop yourself. <laughs> Must well, it's buy. for like you know
0: the price is right, and it's like, well, maybe we can use this as like Toolbox light mm-hmm. or something like that. The, the first step, uh, Glenn
3: is admitting you have a problem.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, I, have sh- I have shelves full of problems. <laughs> I'm looking at them. Um, okay.
2: Igor from Dork Tower. Huzzah! It must, it be, must mine. be
0: mine. <laughs> <laughs> all of it. All of it.
2: <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's me. Cool. Liz. Well, um, as you <laughs> mentioned briefly just a little while ago, we also are stuck in a port city and spent most <laughs> of our game session today hanging out in the port city. And it was really funny because at the end of last week's, we were in a port city and our DM said to us, okay, so that we can get going, you know, a little In a timely manner next week, I'd like all of you to email me and let me know what things that your character wants to be doing while we're in port, so that when we start up the next game, we can actually, you know, get moving. Guess what didn't happen today? We were hanging out in the port city. <laughs>
1: <laughs> At one time I joked we were playing, what was it, Ledgers and Logistics?
2: Yeah, or Ledgers oh, and boy. Lawyers or something yeah, like that.
1: <laughs> we were spending all our time preparing for the expedition mm-hmm. that's going to lead us to the Temple of Elemental Evil.
2: Oh, it's, like, boy. Oh. it's like, yeah, we, made it, we finally made it out of our home port, only to get stuck in another port. <laughs> on our way to the final destination because the ship that we were on stopped a couple of times and so we we've gotten we got stuck again in someone else's port oh wait while we're here i want to buy this i want to get that
1: <laughs> although i must admit that that paladin with the killer warhorse Yes, has come up with the best idea for a magic item ever. Hey, He's that trying... was
2: my idea. Was that your idea? That was okay, my idea. credit where Even credit's it was due. Brilliant. <laughs> He's trying
1: to get some mithril horseshoes enchanted to give his horse spider climb. Oh, <laughs> like, I, that is just too cool.
2: As, as soon as, as soon riding as
1: he up, up on the that, ceiling. Said, yes,
2: and... I must do that. Thank you, Liz. <laughs>
1: Start making aliens jokes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Coming out of the walls. <laughs> horse sneaking up behind people on the ceiling and then pooping <laughs> on <them. Yeah. laughs>
3: Well, that, that horse is going to need every advantage he can get because that, that's the end of, you know, we park our mounts outside the dungeon and go in. That paladin is taking the horse with him no matter what.
0: <laughs> Pretty much. and Might have to shrink him a bit. Although it was
1: great when you cast "Speak with Animals" and act as the translator for the horse to the paladin, that, that was kind of disturbing.
2: That horse is evil.
1: <laughs> the DM was giving him like a Darth Vader
0: voice. <laughs> I want carrots. <laughs> Give <laughs> carrot. It's like having a big, a great big four legged cat
2: is yeah, so pretty much just trying to reassure his mount that my character Lena is like she's a friend. She's good, okay? And the horse looks at me and says, "I will not kill you." <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well,
3: if, if YouTube videos are any guide, there's a lot of people that don't know never to stand behind a horse. Ever, if you can help it. Oh,
1: yeah. We, there were many jokes about horse the horse being up on the ceiling, but um, natural things still occurring. <laughs> and how dangerous that could be. Oh, I was just oh, thinking of kids, oh, yeah. but
3: there's that too. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, I believe we spent a good 10, 15 minutes trying to work out the physics of horse poop coming down from above
1: <laughs> and he's trying to figure out how to how to use one of the bags of holding to kind of act as a diaper and it's like wow this is too much no you need a bag of devouring for that yeah yeah well as long as this tail doesn't get stuck in it or Dimensional
0: something creature here eat this ah!
1: anyway so that's all we've done, I think.
2: Yeah, that, that, that was our day to <laughs> We <laughs> finally, finally, at the very end of the gaming session, made it out of the other port city and mm-hmm. were actually on the road going somewhere.
1: Just in time for Liz's character to get attacked by a chimera while she was on watch. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I, I want to ask a question because you left out my favorite thing to hear about that guy's campaign. What did Liz bake? today
2: I did not bake anything today
1: Well she's been baking more beef short ribs but she didn't take them this time They're in there waiting for us when we're done mm.
2: uh, there, there's only enough for us. I mm. normally get them with when I go to the grocery store and there's usually a little section you know the manager's special and it's usually meat that's about to go bad if you don't cook it very quickly and so they mark it down and that's usually that's what the only time so special. Well, it's still good. You just have to use it, you know, very fast. You can't just take it and then put it in the fridge for a couple of days. You know, it's just something, buy it, cook it, you know, immediately and it's all right. But um, that's usually when I buy my short ribs because they're pretty expensive otherwise. And they had a small pack of, of three little short ribs. So I got that and just stuck them in the slow cooker all day while we were gone gaming.
3: Man, when, so, when, how most people retire and go to Florida, when I retire, I'm going to Denton, Texas.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Denton is where it's at.
1: And demand regular games.
3: <laughs> <laughs> then when an episode doesn't go up quick, I'll just walk a couple of blocks and knock on Vince's door. Hey, <laughs> put the episode up.
2: I'll do it for you. Let me get on your computer.
3: <laughs> up yet? Up yet? <laughs> how about that.
1: now? How about now? Is it up yet?
2: We love you, Vince. <laughs>
0: Snugie boochies <laughs> No comment. Anyway. Alrighty. Well then, Liz. Liz do we say... have any emails?
2: No, we have no emails. I had to say it. <laughs> we have no emails whatsoever. <clears throat> all right. Well, see you. Ever- see you later, everyone. <laughs> <night now. laughs>
1: Be art. Shortest episode ever. <laughs> and poor Liz gets to read them all.
2: Woohoo! <laughs> Get
3: down. or die. Email hot tub time machine. Come here, you scrumptious little beauty. Here I go once again with the email. Every week I'll get it from a female. Oh, man!
2: All righty. Well,
3: you know yeah, I can't I'm... wait to hear you pronounce Doc wipe's real first name because I haven't got a clue.
2: Yeah, I'm just going to totally skip over that. (laughs) We all know him as Doc Mindwipe. We'll just go with that. (laughs) Okay, so do we want to start, or do we need to do anything else first? I don't think we
0: need to do anything else. I I did it before the the show. Good,
2: good. Glad to hear it. No no word from our sponsor or anything like that. Okay.
0: I have to pull over this podcast.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He started it.
0: (laughs) Don't Do you know how fast you were podcasting back there?
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's plunge into this and <laughs> try to get it over with before two hours have passed.
1: <laughs> A slightly smaller episode than 86.
2: <sighs> okay. Our first email is from Jonathan. 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 <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it is not our Jonathan from our game sessions. Not a
1: magic user Jonathan who yes. fireballs everything.
2: <laughs> okay. Jonathan writes Hello, Saver Die Crew. I'm a youngish gamer, born in eighty six, and spent much time bouncing between various systems. I ran a pretty successful Pathfinder campaign until a TPK.
3: Ouch. How did that happen in Pathfinder? Oh,
2: (laughs) That'd be a story all by itself. (laughs) Tried 4E, didn't like it. Tried the 5E playtest, and liked some of the ideas, but I don't know about the complete package.
1: I've heard that a lot.
2: Mm. So I decided to give the OSR another shot. I've tried a few times before, and it was never what I was looking for, and couldn't wrap my head around some of the things. Hmm. This time, it seemed to stuck. I'm in, and I can't seem to work up the desire to run Pathfinder again. Much, ah, to my, much to my wife's dismay. With all the great OSR stuff lying around and being made every day, it seems, why run something that complicated? I want a system that I can make things up and not worry about the system breaking. It feels well said. nice. I've spent the last few weeks listening to your backlog of episodes, great show by the way, at work, to help pass the time. I found it through Thaco's Hammer and switched over because I like the looser style of basic versus the I need a rule for everything 2E. Although I cut my teeth on the 2E games that my uncle ran for me and my two brothers. Sorry, Glenn.
0: <laughs> I, I, this is one of the few shows I've seen where Thaco's Hammer is the entrance podcast and not the other way around. It's a gateway I if, you're podcast. You're the yeah. gateway. I,
3: I love it. <laughs> Glenn doesn't care what you play. Just listen to Thaco's Hammer.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. You can play whatever you want. Just keep listening to his podcast. That's
3: right.
2: In Episode 79, Realignment, Jim happened to mention that he couldn't see a lawful or a lawful good thief. I think a thief that was an agent of the crown or some other organization could easily make for a lawful thief, but maybe that's just me. Also, I figured I could throw in my two cents on how I view alignment in D&D, although I don't use it in my Frankenstein homebrew melding several OSR games together with just a touch of Fate Accelerated Edition using White Hack as a base. If I were to use the alignment system, I would use the three-point system, and almost all mortals would be neutral. Law and chaos are more for supernatural entities, and mortals who have aligned themselves with the warring sides of the greater cosmos, for better or for worse. It does not mean that lawful is good and chaotic is evil. Most mortals would not like pure lawful rule, and fewer would like pure chaos to reign, even if they were devoted to that side. Anyways, thanks for the show, and I hope you manage to keep it up for a long time into the future. Jonathan.
1: Thanks, Jonathan.
3: Yeah, thanks.
1: Um, It sounds like, as far as his alignment, that sounds pretty, uh, his view of alignment sounds very close to Michael Moorcock's Elric series. Hmm. Um, When in doubt,
3: you can always add Moorcock. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, if right. only Crispy were here.
1: Yeah, not the same without Crispy. Oh, well.
2: Uh, how do you think his view goes with, say, the um, Three Hearts, Three Lions
1: book? Um, Kind of, too, except I think Anderson's Three Hearts and Three Lions, yeah, Three Lions <laughs> does tend to be more it an assumption of law is good and chaos is evil. Mm. Um, yeah. It's not quite absolute, but... Yeah, there is kind of that implication there that humans inherently prefer law. But as far as the law and chaos being, particularly chaos, was very based on the supernatural entities in Anderson's book. Elves were of chaos too, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs>
3: or once the elves are the bad guys. <laughs> Yeah, in a three-point alignment system, you don't have a problem. I mean, a lawful thief could be, you know, the tax collector, it could be the king. I mean, the king can just pass a law and decide, you owe more taxes, boom, you know? Yeah. That's kind of stealing. And
1: And as far as a lawful thief, I mean, you know, one could argue James Bond would equate to a lawful assassin, you know? So why couldn't you have a lawful thief as long as he was doing it, you know, as like,
0: Royal espionage
1: or that sort of thing.
0: Remember, way back when there were pirates, but there were also privateers.
2: Yeah, with their and, letters of mark.
0: And mm. what was the difference? Those, there's they, they had, they had the license for it.
2: <laughs> uh, no, the difference
1: was whose ships they were attacking.
0: <laughs> right for that, yeah, right. But there you go, same yeah. thing.
1: Yeah. And that's where you know the idea of law as an abstract or chaos as an abstract. If you try to think out, on it too hard, it.
3: Kind of unravels. Mm-hmm. Well, the only problem I have with any of it is if it's a five or a nine point alignment system, I can't come up with an example of a lawful good thief. But I mean, three point alignment system, it's just anybody who's a boss who you know sticks to the rules.
1: What about Robin Hood? Or would that be more of a
3: neutral good or a chaotic have, good?
2: I would have tagged him as neutral good.
3: I would have thought of him as chaotic good if you're going nine point. Yeah, Robin Hood and Spider Man are kind of the neutral good alignment where I'm going to break, you know, I'm going to run from the police to do good. Or
1: I'm going to do good whether it is the law or it isn't the law.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, using using the first edition nine point, if I remember correctly, and most of my characters when I play 1E tend to be neutral good, but the good for the most number of people, you know, needs the many, that kind of thing.
0: That's why I like three point.
2: Eh, I like Five Point. I think it's a good, happy medium.
0: I like mm. Dirty Point. Oh, I thought they were talking about that. bucks. <laughs> I thought they were talking about bucks. Sorry.
2: No. no. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thanks, Jonathan. Uh, All righty. Our next email is from David Lynch. Wow. Again, pretty sure it is not the guy that did Twin Peaks. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Stop writing sure. us
3: emails and make another movie, man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I think he's retired.
2: Mm. Hello Sod Gang. A thousand thanks. You put out a great set of podcasts. I've been gaming since 1978 when my grandparents gave me the Holmes boxed set, emphasis mine, <laughs> for Christmas. It came with the numbered chits, but they had attached a set of those awful crumbly dice to the top of the box. I what are say I say awful even though I loved them.
1: We've still got some of ours.
2: Yeah, they're and they're <laughs> yeah, the 20-siders
1: are- like or the 12-siders like a a sphere now.
2: Uh, well, I must say the dice that that come with my Gamma World box set are in pristine condition because they have been virtually never ever used. So they still True. have their edges on them and everything. It's like, oh, they're so pretty.
0: <laughs> I, was, I was in one of the Facebook groups the other day where a guy just got um, – he scored a box set of Gamma World First Edition, uh-huh. including the dice, which had never been opened from the original pack. And he says, I, I think I'm going to open these up and take a look. And like everybody probably goes,
3: <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Last year at GaryCon, that's when we knew we were in for it, because Michael Curtis sat us down to play Gamma World, and he had gotten his hands on a polybagged set and busted them open to DM the game.
2: Wow! Anyway, back to the letter. I have played every edition since then, but I always missed my original days. I'm new to the OSR movement, but loving what I see. I'm working to get my children to experience the original rules. They grew up with 3.5 and 4, but they are open to trying new-slash-old stuff. I raised them to appreciate classics of all sorts. Happily working my way through the archives, I just listened to Adventure No. 36, regarding customizing characters. Done a fair amount of that over the years. And Reincarnation. I just had to relate, briefly, I promise, a story from my high school days in 1985, I had a half-orc thief traveling through N1 against the cult of the reptile god. Sweet. One deadly encounter with the Lizard King left my thief hanging on the end of his trident like a sodden coat. Without a cleric available, my party elected to reincarnate me. I was brought back to life as a troll. He wasn't much (laughs) for picking pockets, but wow, what a backstab. Eventually, they returned me to half-orc form with many jokes about whether my appearance had improved. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that was our experience with reincarnation, and thinking about that made me think about the fact that some of the most memorable game times for me are related to the death of a character. Not in a sour way, but in a funny-to-look-back-and-laugh-now reminiscence. What about you all? Any funny stories about character deaths? I know I have more. As an aside I would like to say I absolutely love Thorhammer's Home 77. I found a copy of it and it so closely matches the way we used to play. I'm thinking of using it as the basis for my home game. Thank you again and for a great listen traveling to and from work. I so hate the radio, too much repetition and nonsense. Good gaming, David Lynch. I'll and tell you,
0: David. Oh, go ahead. I
2: was going to say he also includes he even says so. Shameless plug. <laughs> and he has a link to his blog, which we will include in our show notes when you download this. So take a look. It's teacher trooper gamer dad at blogspot.com.
0: Well, I'll tell you, David, if you like Home 77, try finding for free Mazes and Perils. Well, Home 77 is free too. Mike, you're not helping. (laughs) (laughs) It still is. It still is as of today.
2: Yes. They are both excellent OSR versions of the whole set.
0: And I did the illustrations on the other one.
1: Yeah, depending on whether you're you're wanting more of an AD&D feel to it or, you know, more to the original Holmes kind of OD&D feel to it. So a flavor for any interest.
3: Which is what's great about living in our times because it's not – one edition or the other it's whatever you want you know play three Mm -hmm. or four versions
1: yeah i was like earlier talking about the frankenstein home game it's like well i mean at least for all the gamers i knew back in the 80s it just wasn't a game unless you had some house rules in it at
2: at the minimum
1: that's old school you know Mm -hmm. throw it together whatever works oh yeah
2: so Uh.
3: so is losing a character
2: (laughs) yep yeah i was trying to think you know do I personally have a funny story about a character death? And I can't think of anything that's just about a character death. I do know there was one where I should have died, but Mike was running the game at the time. And he gave he gave me the opportunity to roll for divine intervention. And it was basically if you get a double lot you know then it will but otherwise no and i actually rolled that and so that almost death became a real turning <clears throat> point wow. for my character in the game
1: yeah she and, lost all her armor and everything because she was hit with a black dragon's acid breath so <sighs> she wasn't dead but she had like one hit point
3: and no gear i mean you had to roll wow. double zero that's pretty incredible what was that a 2 3% chance of that
2: yeah, and I really didn't think that it was going to happen, but, you know, it's like, well, you know, might as well, it's it's worth a shot, And but it did happen, and the character that I was running had not necessarily been a terribly religious individual, but she became so after that happened, and she started out as a... It's like we were we were playing fighter. first edition at the time. She was a fighter uh, cavalier type sort of individual, and it's been a while since we had picked up the game with that particular character. But at the time, she was very close to actually becoming a paladin, you know, for that god because of the path that she had or
1: goddess, yeah, yeah,
2: goddess for the path that she had taken, all because of that divine intervention that one time.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of reincarnation, I remember having a big, bad, evil guy at one time, a rather ruthless, again, a half-orc. Half-orc.
2: Orc. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember this story.
1: Kasetius? Uh-huh. Yeah. And he got killed at one time, and his minions only had, uh, and he was, you know, your big half-orc, evil, jerk, kind of waha type and he was killed and they didn't have resurrection so they reincarnated him and he was reincarnated into like this 4 foot 6 elf girl <laughs> but okay. she still had the personality of you know the brutal half orc guy and she's just this adorable little
0: red-haired elf chick
3: wow i think and- i've dated her
0: <laughs> well you want a, you want a funny death story not mine but <laughs> in our La- our labyrinth lord campaign one of the many deaths of brad's characters he fell into a pit in a in, in dice's delve and took like he was down like half already he took some more damage and then he rolled. He said, "I'm going to go over here and get out of the pit." Rolled again. Failed his dex. Fell l- deeper into the pit uh-huh. and, di- and died. And <laughs> died. Yeah. It's I, like I'm almost out. Oh, and he oh, just man. like he just tossed the character sheet to Matt. That's it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. Oh,
0: remember uh, my half
1: elf mirale?
2: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> when the pal, yeah, the local cavalier was trying to spear this. Uh, wyvern and oh, he missed and instead got a critical her. hit with a lance on my back
2: Yeah, oh, Killed oh yeah and the DM felt awful fire. like
1: dude I am so sorry this is how the dice rolled but you know if you want I can maybe try to figure out and I'm like no 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 that's what it rolled she's dead that's fine I don't have a problem with it
3: I don't know how funny it is, but I know my most spectacular character death was in our very first campaign. We were all freshmen in college, 18 years old, and there were three of us that were the three main players in our first DMs uh, campaign. Uh, and the two other players' characters are actually the basis of the character Sir Bruno and Siobhan the Elf Cleric in my comic strip. And... Uh, we were just 18, and we were obnoxious, and we put this poor guy—the uh, DM's name was Lonnie Barnett. We put him through hell on a weekly basis, and Lonnie wasn't <laughs> the most even-tempered guy to begin with. And one night, we were just torturing him, doing stupid stuff, and he got so pissed, he put all his books down and made his universe explode, and didn't run that campaign ever again. <laughs> so, so my character died when the entire universe exploded. <laughs> well,
1: if you gotta die,
3: you know. I, basically, Can
2: I save for half?
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of Flavin, son of Ribo. Oh, well. <laughs> Ribo Flavin. Ha, 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 ha. Was told, he elf? Or? I told you we were
1: obnoxious.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember that board game that came in Dragon called Flight of the Boodles? Yes. Oh, God. yeah. Ben and I ended up making characters based on Boodles. And everything, we, we named all our gear, various of the term boodle and yeah we caused the dm to just start screaming at us and slam his books down and stalk off refusing to play again because we just really yeah well you know when you were 13 it was hilarious <laughs> but anyway it always is until yeah, yeah. someone dies
2: okay well i <laughs> hope that gave you all the information you wanted david Perhaps a little more than you were looking for. but <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> There you go.
1: <laughs> yep.
2: All right. Our next letter is from Montana Squires. There Montana. Hey, Cole. Anyway, he writes, Hi, Saber Die Gang. The XP progression in classic D&D tends to move at a slow pace, which is not always feasible in a campaign. Have you guys ever played around with the XP tables or XP rules in any of the classic systems? Thanks, Montana. P.S. Since Spellburn has their own acolyte, I'll petition to be the save-or-die hireling.
1: Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah? Although we don't, I don't want to pay him, so maybe we'll just make him a henchman.
3: Head uh, henchman. Yeah.
2: Henchman sounds pretty cool.
3: He's bucking for. Oh wait, wait! I got this. He can be the saber-eyed (laughs) torchbearer.
0: There you go. We'll put a D twenty sweater on him and bring him out at ball games.
2: (laughs) I was going to say, if he's our mascot, though, don't we have to make T shirts and stuff with his with his face on them?
0: (laughs) Just
1: have a giant paper mache D twenty, and he can stick his legs out the bottom and
3: (laughs) run around. He's right, though. XP progression in classic D&D can take a while. That's why uh, you guys got to man up and take your chances with a deck of many things when you see one.
0: <laughs> I've got this bad, bad vision of, of a T-shirt with a giant D20 with Montana's face right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, let's go with Torchbearer, I think.
2: Okay. Any <laughs> oh. yeah, um, DM who gives a party of first or second level characters access to a deck of many things is evil. Thank you. What I, 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 just,
3: I just did that. A month ago. It. Thank you.
2: <laughs> You're deserves.
3: evil. They were all first he level. Just, now one of them's fifth level. So it worked <laughs> out for him.
2: What about the other guys?
3: Uh, a couple of them went down, and then they got some wishes, which they could have used to wish for levels, but they needed to wish people's souls back on their bodies.
1: <laughs> Priorities. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. But your your soul is the part of your body. Yeah, but my body is now seventh level. Is that awesome or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it can be rough. I've usually kind of compensated with role playing bonuses, but you gotta be careful with that. Um you know, because you don't want to uh, the eternal adage of if you run up levels too fast, it's it becomes rather dull. Um on the other hand, I've never been big of playing much above the teens in level either. So, whereas D and D expects you to generally go to about thirty six, so I guess it depends on just what your you know what kind of campaign you're running and how long you expect to run it for.
3: What's yeah. the single highest level character any of us have seen for real in person in a campaign we have played in?
2: In a campaign I yeah. have played in.
3: Yeah, no, not like your character, but just what's. The highest level you've ever seen. Fifteenth.
2: Uh, PC or say NPCs. Oh no, PCs. Okay.
1: Twenty-second. Whoa.
2: I yeah. I've never played anything higher than tenth or eleventh level. Yeah. I I don't normally play high level characters. I think they're I tend to think they're a lot more interesting when they're low level and everything's hard because. Um, at that point, you know, you find a plus 1 sword and you're just oh wow. And, and you know, when you get to be 10th or 11th level, you know, you've got your golf bag of magic items at that point and things don't seem quite as dare I say magical to me anymore. Um so I've I've always had a I've always had a preference for playing low level campaigns. I think they're a lot more fun for me.
3: Today, I totally agree with you. I, I was of a different mindset back then in the, in the <laughs> but yeah, we ran some twenty second something
1: level characters. We worked them up and then ran through some of the companion modules, uh, most notably Maelstrom. I forget is that c two c m two or c m three something like that. How'd that work out for you uh, well um pretty okay until, until we figured out that it was really just a replay of Odysseus. <laughs> <laughs> then the DMs started having to try to pull stuff out that we weren't expecting. So, it but yeah, it was fun.
0: Time, yeah.
1: But of course, part of it going through there is you. Each, we each had a small army with us, you know, fleets of, of ships. Because, again, like Odysseus, you're sort of coming back from what amounts to a Trojan War, so you have to do all that stuff. But yeah, it was it was all right. I mean, it was fun for the time. I don't know if it's something I would really enjoy doing nowadays. Well, take that but then I that tend market. to DM a lot more than I tend to
0: to sure. play. Go down and get that paladin on a hill. I hope that helps, Montana.
3: <laughs> yeah. there, Montana. Yes, welcome to the family. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> now get out in front of the marching order.
0: <laughs> Let's know if you see something. You can throw a gun at it.
2: And probably kill it.
0: Huh?
2: All right. Our next letter is from Shannon Ferguson. I Shannon. He? Why does that sound familiar? <laughs> he he uh, he's uh, he's, uh, he's an angry monk of some kind I've heard.
1: An angry teeman. Mm. Oh no, wait, that was the wrong Okay. <laughs>
3: Anyway. Wait, that is, talks is, is a that funny. DM that was stingy with experience, points, and treasure that we all played with? I think he was. Oh, now <laughs> I got it.
2: Is that
0: the guy that says oot? Yeah.
2: <laughs> we love you, angry monk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no comment.
2: <laughs> Shannon writes, Hi, folks. Have you ever thought to do a retrospective on the show? What were your personal favorite moments? Are there any areas or ideas you'd like to revisit, either to express a changed opinion or confirm you were right all along? (laughs) I think it would be fun to look back and reminisce with the Save or Die crew. Just a thought. Happy holidays and have a great Hogmanay.
0: Thank Dude. you Shannon yeah, Thanks. I, can't remember, I can't remember back five minutes what is he talking
1: <laughs> about well, I figure if we can make it to episode 100 we'll probably do that as a retrospective to a degree
3: Shannon that just reminded cool. me this this month makes a year I've been on the show you guys have been putting up with my crap for about 20 episodes now. Woo-hoo, wow.
0: woo-hoo. Uh, the anniversary. Yay. <laughs> on the 100th, on the 100th show I'd like to like maybe Jim can do this could go back to the early shows and do like just a um mm. Just a, a retrospective of how many times Vince said, Shut up, Glenn.
3: <laughs> sort of a shut up montage.
0: Yeah, shut up montage. No, oh, no, no,
3: no. Yeah, and you set it uh, to some sh- rap music. <laughs> so it... <laughs> yeah, are you going to do a mix on it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Jazz yeah. mix.
2: Ten minutes of nothing but Vince saying, shut up, Glenn, shut up, Glenn, shut up, Glenn.
1: Shut up, <laughs> Glenn, shut, 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 shut up, Glenn, shut up,
3: Glenn, shut up, shut up, Shannon, what's funny about you sending this email, which was probably weeks ago, is we were just talking about this amongst ourselves because uh, of some stuff I had to cut out of the last episode where, uh, you know, one minute we're talking about My Little Pony and, and two sentences later we're talking about menstrual cramps. And I'm like, oh, OK, that's got to go. And,
2: <laughs> and, and now you're going to have to cut that out of this episode. <laughs> Maybe.
3: <laughs> or at least beep.
0: <laughs> Which
2: completely ruins the explanation.
3: I mean, best segue well, ever. Uh, but like, not, a,
0: like, not, like I said, Mr. Short-Term Memory Loss here, was I the one that said that?
3: <laughs> if, we, I, if we keep talking about it, we'll, we'll have to edit parts uh, out.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Best to leave that alone.
2: Well, I think we can guarantee it was not me. So,
1: <laughs> Although we might could blame the My Little Pony on you.
2: Mm-mm. You might could. Actually yep. it's some um, Jim you have to blame My Little Pony on because he was drawing My Little Pony yeah, characters. Oh,
3: well there you go. All right then. My Sneak preview with... of the Kidon comic. There's a My Little Pony in it.
2: <laughs>
3: there you go. My
0: little pony with menstrual crimes.
3: Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Glenn. <laughs> Shut up, Glenn.
0: <laughs> I'm giving Jim <laughs> I want to make sure Jim works.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Shannon. Keep an eye out. You may get your retrospective when we finally reach episode 100. Just hang in there. (laughs) All righty. Our next email is from Jack Biter, and he writes, Dear Save or Die Crew, I am a newbie to your program, having only listened to it for the last month or so. I do truly enjoy it, and I'm desperately trying to catch up with the older episodes. Cool. But But it actually may be contributing to my problem. <laughs> Jack has-
3: Jack Butter oh, has a problem. <laughs> this is good email writing because he ended yeah. that paragraph with suspense.
2: da Ta-da. Anyway, let me tell you my situation. I started playing D&D in junior high with the blue box basic edition and moved into AD&D first <sighs> edition. I played that for years until life pulled me away from the game. Last year, I decided to get back into D&D after an 18-year hiatus. I didn't know anything about any of the newer editions since, so I went out and bought the 4E core book set. Oh, that's an, Shame expensive, on me.
3: That's an expensive lesson.
2: That, that, that is expensive. <laughs> I quickly realized that this was not the same game I fondly remember.
3: You think?
1: <laughs> hey, he was coming back after a while.
2: Being in a panic about losing my precious game, I quickly jumped on the Pathfinder bandwagon. I do enjoy playing it, but to me, it has way too many rules. I don't want to play a spreadsheet or deal with min-maxing metagaming fools.
0: Thank you. <laughs>
2: so I decided to start up an old-school-feel homebrew game at my place. Woohoo. We tried out D&D Next, and I enjoy that much more than Pathfinder. But now, because of my love for 1E and listening to probably too much of your show, I want to move on to Labyrinth Lord. yeah. Now for my problem. All the players that I currently play with in Pathfinder and Next don't want to go backwards. There are a couple of older gamers that feel like me, but getting more people is proving to be a real problem. How would you go about finding some new players that want to go old school?
0: Take the old players and flog them.
2: (laughs) Or even ways to convince current fellow players to at least give it a go. I know they won't be sorry. I have tried D&D internet sites, local gaming stores, Pathfinder Society sessions, the local D&D meetup group, and even Craigslist. Wow. I have since moved away from all of my old playing friends, so that is not an option either. I live in the Detroit area, so there shouldn't be any shortage of players. Just thought I'd run this by you, and using all your gaming wisdom, maybe you could help to give me some fresh ideas. Thanks. Keep up the great work a new loyal listener, Jack Bider.
0: Thank you, Jack Biter. First place you got to go, GoblinoidGames.com. Go in the forums.
2: Um, also, hopefully with any luck, there are some fellow old-school gamers in the Detroit area who may be listening to this podcast and heard your letter. Yes. So maybe you can get in touch somehow through the Save or Die forums.
1: I'll assume he's tried places like et etc., yeah. As well. Yeah. Well, he did mention <laughs> um,
2: internet sites. Right,
1: mm-hmm. right. Um, about the only thing I can think of, and it tends to be a pervasive problem with a lot of the people who played in the newer games. Um, what you might try to get across to them is: older versions of D and D are actually more empowering than the later versions. I know they'll say that's impossible, but it's true. A lot of these games, it's like, well, because they have a detailed skill system or feats or whatever, they get into a mindset of if I don't have this ability, I can't do X. Yes. And the beauty of old school gaming is as long as the DM thinks there's a chance, give them an attribute, give them a saving throw, let them try anything. Um, if you can think up something weird to try, do it. But a lot of them are like, well, if I don't have this skill or this feat, I can't do it. And they don't even try. So in reality, they're actually looking at a more limited right. game system. Maybe you can try approaching them that way.
0: And if that doesn't work, try drugging them. <laughs>
1: yeah. hey, nice. Hey,
0: Mike, Mike what you just said. I went on the Tunnels and Trolls board and said something of the same thing, and I got at least five people going, we knew that 30 years ago. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, and that's that's something that kind of grinds my teeth when some of the newer people try to say, well, but... The game, the state of the art of role playing, has advanced from the 80s or 70s. I'm like, this isn't electronics. This is a tabletop RPG. Virtually everything you can point to, quote unquote, nowadays, I can find a game back in the 70s or 80s that used it. Then, maybe they weren't all combined into, you know, X D and D. But they, you know, the idea of skills, of feats, of various, you know, classes as levels or whatever. You can find examples
3: of. Well, what I like about the question, and it's a real thing, is there's. It's not just the mechanics of the individual systems; it's the play style preferences of the players. And and it, there's like three groups. There's. I mean, we all like best what we're exposed to first. So we all came up in whatever mm-hmm. system we came up with, and that's where we go to first. And that's kind of set up in our heads as the gold standard. But then we get out and explore and try other things. Some people are very rooted in their play style, whether it's, you know, Pathfinder ish 4E or it's old school. And they can't change, they don't want to. And then there's people that are yeah. committed to the old school way and, and, and have never changed and want to go back to it. And then there's people in the middle that can enjoy both at the same time. Like I'm one of those. Yeah. I can go back and forth. I can play ADD one week, DCC the next week, Labyrinth Lord. If it was you guys, and it was people I liked, I' play four e I don't care, but yeah, if you- well,
1: I mean we play two e It's not my first game of choice, but you know we have a good d m and it certainly beats a lot of other game systems,
0: yeah. and that whole thing you said, Mike mushroom mushroom that started in two e unfortunately.
1: Yeah, well, I would even <coughs> say it started in, a- in 1E to a degree, especially in the like, later books. Like
3: Unearthed our and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Well, well I guess um, I'm,
3: what I'm trying to say, because we experienced this at uh, Gateway Games with DM Todd, who runs the retro Cincinnati Retro D&D League. I mm-hmm. mean, he got some high schoolers into the old school and some of the 20-somethings too. And then when we started DCC, our, about half our table were committed Pathfinder players who played for years in Pathfinder Society. About half of them stuck with the old school game, and the other half went back to Pathfinder. And mm-hmm. that's that's what you're, you're going to find. Some people can make the switch, and some people can't. Some people prefer one style, and that's all they want to play. You can't change those people. So, right. So you got to um, so you got to create a player funnel.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know how Todd managed to convince some of these Pathfinder people to try? You know doing the other system in the first place. I,
3: I, I can give you my view of it. Todd would be able to tell you better. Um, there's two big game stores here in town, and one of the game stores is a very 3E, 4E, Pathfinder game store. And Todd is uh, a little younger than me, but around all our ages, and he really likes the old school stuff, but has played everything too. And so he just uh, – it's because he runs the game store. You know, Once you start running a campaign, okay, here it is in a nutshell. The very best way to convince anybody – any game is a good idea to play. Is always just sit down and run it for them. You, me, Glenn, yep. sit, 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 Five people down and run a game for them, and four of them will enjoy it and stick with it. I mean, that's, of course, that's how D&D if you started. can't
1: get them to sit down to begin with, that seems to be part of the problem. Right.
2: Well, do you um, think it might help? Say, if you know he's got his current group of he's got his current group of players, and they like Pathfinder, they want to stick with Pathfinder. Do you think it might help if he took all of his players' character sheets and made Labyrinth Lord versions of them, basically did the conversion for them, and then the next time they all get together, you know, just give them the Labyrinth Lord sheets and say, okay, this session we're going to – you know, it's your same characters, it's the same, you know, campaign – we're all doing – we're still in the middle of the same adventure, but this time we're going to just try it with these rules and see how it goes.
3: You know, you're you're, you're on to something because now I remember exactly what Todd did do. He set it up in the beginning as this group of players were going to play a, a mini campaign in every edition of D&D ever starting with the little brown books and move forward. So the premise of the whole campaign was set up that way. And he wrote it into the into the scenario. In that, in Basic D anD D, they got their hands on three or four parts of the Rod of Seven Parts, and that was uh. their ongoing overarching quest. And and chasing those parts of the Rod led them to you know A D D and Ravenloft and Second and Third Edition and everything else.
1: Or back in 2012, the North Texas RPG Con, um, they did that one overall story arc with the Red Queen. But it, and it went from Cavemaster to Boot Hill to, or D&D to Boot Hill to Top Secret. And it yeah. was all part of the same overall story arc, but you got to play a bit of everything.
0: Boy, were the players surprised when they got to that table.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of regretted I wasn't able to sign up for it. It sounded really cool. Um, but that might be a way of doing it too. You know, have the Pathfinder characters drift into a parallel prime material plane and have them be the Labyrinth Lord characters for a couple of sessions. And their goal is, say, to try to escape back into the Pathfinder world. Right. And that gives them an experience. And if they like it, great. If not, well, you know, they at least had the experience, and they know they're not just refusing it out of hand. They've actually given the game a try.
0: Yeah. You got to be able to – you got to have some good bait to, you know, hook them. Yeah.
1: And there'll be some people who just prefer Pathfinder. I mean, back in the day, there were people that preferred chivalry and sorcery, tunnels and trolls, RuneQuest, yeah. uh, fantasy trip. You know, the age old RuneQuest. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. It just, you know, some pe- like Jim was saying, people have their preferences. I just hate people who hate a game but won't even try it. You know, because. The most old school thing of all is, we back in the day we tried everything. That's what right. We didn't like everything, but we tried everything.
0: What if it? What if it's just like say a genre you really didn't want to care for and didn't want to? Well, that's different. I mean, if you'd say
1: you don't like westerns, well then no matter what western game it is, you're probably not going to like it.
3: Right. Okay. Um, yeah, but you're right. In the in the day, I mean, Boot Hill Gangbusters, we didn't care. If Somebody put it out, we'd give it a spin.
1: Yeah. Now, granted, a lot of times we played gangbusters like D&D or,
3: <laughs> or Traveler, like, you know, we're walking
1: into bars wearing battle dress.
2: I yeah. wasted with my crossbow. <laughs> yeah,
1: but the point is we did try other games.
2: Right, right.
1: So anyway, hope that helped.
2: Uh, good luck. Let yep. us know how it goes. All right. Our, sure. we have, our next two letters are from Kevin Long. And okay. our first our first letter from Kevin, he writes, Hi, guys and ladies. I just listened to the show about the gods and the one in which you talk about cures. I really liked both shows. So I like using the gods in my games at some level. I have all my players choose a god no matter what they are playing. I am also working on a game based on the Greek mythos that will be way heavy with the gods. I played in one game that any time a person said, Holy sh- a crap load of would fall from the skies.
0: You'll have to beep those out.
3: That's okay. That's pretty old school,
0: though. (laughs) (laughs) That was the python god, yeah. Eight
3: levels down in a dungeon. I'm bored. Asmodeus! Orcus! Just start screaming god's names.
1: (laughs) Haster's bastard! Haster's bastard! (laughs) Haster's (laughs) bastard!
2: (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) There was one other GM that in his game, the church had levels for the cleric, and at each level they would get new powers, while sometimes the lawful good god took everything the cleric had. As far as sicknesses and things like that, I like to use monsters that have things like poison and rot and all those good things. Hey, who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) I also like to use heat and cold to make the player sick. And of course, weapons that are not good. I'll assume
1: he meant player characters sick. (laughs) Stick
2: the stick your players out (laughs) in the backyard when it's (laughs) twenty roll for initiative. (laughs) Yes, don't make your players sick. It's hard to find new players.
3: Uh, Yep, I don't like the way you're playing. You're going to have to go make your saving throw versus (laughs) my wife.
2: Says, I am making a weapon for a con that drains levels and makes them evil. Thanks for the show, Kevin. And well, his second letter, which I will tack on very quickly because it's very brief, he says, Hi, guys, and Liz. I was just listening to the show on conversion. I converted against the Giants to my 3.5 OA game, and I think it went great. Kevin Long.
0: Cool. You converted to the Giants. What's wrong with the Raiders? <laughs> Although Liz and I were talking
1: about it, we figured out an excellent conversion of the, the Giant series would be to Robotech. Really?
2: Yeah, have the Zentradi. Turn, turn him into Zentradi. Oh.
1: That would, yeah. That would, that'd be fun.
2: But anyway, yes. Um, I do think that's an interesting idea that he mentions. Yeah, the GM he was talking about, the church having levels for the cleric, and at each level they get new powers. It's very Paladin esque. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: Or like two E did with the various priests in the legends and lore book, mm. you know, each cleric had a certain ability at a certain level depending on who they worshipped.
2: Yeah. Kind of like um yeah, you know, the cleric I'm playing in Chase's game, as a morning lord of Lethander, as she gains levels, you know, mm. she every so often gets little binnies that she's able to do because she worships Lithander. So, yeah, that that. is a very interesting way to play it.
3: Because in in, uh, Basic D&D and AD&D, all the clerics get all the same spells. I like the idea of, you know, you're you're a cleric of Athena. You know, you get uh, this one certain thing.
2: Yeah, Athena gives you something that no other god or goddess is able to give you.
1: Well, one thing I like about Classic over the Advanced is um, the Classic rules are a lot more fast and loose when it comes to reversing spells. Which I think is pretty cool, especially if you're dealing with a chaotic priest, you know, and you can, well, what if you reverse protection from goods, the blight, cause light wounds, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas the A's, AD&Ds seem to get a lot horseier about that sort of thing.
3: Uh, if you play that right, a wizard can use the reverse of power word death and have a resurrection. Well, Whoa, yeah. that really? Would
2: a, <laughs> that would be an interesting way of using it. <laughs>
3: There's no trick yeah, yeah, I it's have really tried, I've tried them all.
1: <laughs> it's really fun to use raise dead on a lich. That's...
2: <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah.
2: Ah! All righty. Our next email is from DM Dan.
0: Dan. Dan.
2: Book him, Dano. Diem DM Dan writes, hi, Save or Die hosts. I just finished listening to episode 82, and I wanted to drop you a note to say that I, personally, enjoy the email bag shows because it can be a potpourri of subjects and topics. So I, for one, like them and want more. Can I
3: try try and do my John Hurt impression? Today is your
2: lucky day, Dan. This is all the makings of your lucky day.
1: (laughs) We did this show just for you.
2: That's right. Also, I too would like to see a continuation of reviews of the X series of modules, which you had mentioned on this episode. Mm. Let me also add a suggestion regarding the AP podcast. A few years ago, the RFI podcast used player characters during their creature feature segment to role play oh, yeah. against battling a monster, with one host as the DM. I think that this could work on Save or Die by giving the added benefit of using the different basic game systems to show some of the unique features of each. OD&D, Basic Expert, Holmes, Menser. I, for one, have never played Holmes, so it may be interesting to see a combat sequence using the Holmes rules for those of us unfamiliar with them. Just a thought. Keep up the good work. Regards, DM Dan.
0: Thanks, Dan. Well, you know... Uh, it's too bad basic doesn't have a trivia game. We'd be doing that. Uh,
1: <laughs> oh, that could be an interesting way of handling the random encounters. It would. We shall have to chat on that.
3: <laughs> if Liz if Liz runs homes, I'm in. That well yeah,
1: we'd have to do that. Combat. We'd have to split them to the various, you know, Glenn would have to do RC, Menser. Um I guess uh, you'd probably end up doing OD&D, and I'd end up doing Basic Expert. So, it could be done.
0: You mean i got to do one? Oh, man, y'all start dead.
2: (laughs) Hey.
3: (laughs) That's a hell of a monster. (laughs) We're we're so much alike, Glenn. I'm just sitting there thinking, I don't want to DM, but wait, I can kill Glenn. Okay, I'm in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Got your new characters ready? Good. They're dead, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a brief segment. (laughs) Uh, What do you guys think about continuing on with the X-Series reviews? Uh, We seem to have had quite a few people now mention that they think that would be a good idea.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, we've already committed to the Gazetteers for the next thing. But once we get through them, we probably could come back and review the X-Series. We could alternate. Except that we're also alternating between gazetteers and new product that people keep sending true, us.
0: True, true, true. So that's it's no like, way. That's in no way discouraging people from sending us product. You understand?
1: Well, yeah. Well, it's like the email show. We don't want to discourage anybody from sending emails. Wait, it's, you know? I got an we'll
3: idea. I got an idea. This worked once before. Hmm. Uh, Dan, you should start your own podcast on ha, <laughs> <laughs> response.
2: I am the demon spawn. You will get do whole, as I command.
3: <laughs> Your contact is Vincent Florio at. Yeah. I'm just kidding, but we'll get to him, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, once it may well, take once... a while.
2: It may be an email hot tub time machine. The email yeah. that you send to us in February will eventually get read in May. But hey, we will get to them.
0: <laughs> the X series, hey, it gives me something basic to buy at half price books now. So mm-hmm. okay. Or expert, but yeah.
3: When those all came out, we were off playing AD and D. So I'm actually interested in getting into those for the first time myself.
1: Well, of course, I got Isle of Dread. Oh, Isle of Dread. And Castle Amber was fun, though. But then I, yes. I liked I like the Amber novels.
0: So is there? Is there? Oh, uh, by the way, I told you one of one of the box sets I got for Karamikos for second edition is Mark of Amber, which is basically a sequel to Castle Amber. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. With a stupid CD and everything. So, anyway. A stupid CD? Yeah.
3: Well, I,
2: I've never encountered a smart one, so it's probably, it it probably run-of-the-mill.
3: It, it was 3D6 in order. The CD didn't do well. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you ended up being a fighter? Yeah, I guess
1: so.
2: Okay. Well, well we're we glad you will... like... <laughs> Sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, well, we're glad you like the email episodes, Dan. And you are... As we said, this is your lucky day. Your letter got read on one.
0: <laughs> and we will get to the X's. And they don't have Rahasia, too, do not do they? No. I was hoping to get Crispy uh, back on for that. Uh, Rahasia's the bees. Oh, okay. I thought they may have did a sequel or something. <laughs> not that I know of. So we could have more for the <laughs> – mm. yeah.
3: Beep. <laughs> oh come on you guys keep <laughs> say, you guys keep saying have crispy on have crispy on i think crispy's a mythical being i you know where is he let's get him on
0: <laughs> hey we proved
3: matt <laughs> real now come on
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll figure out you know when maybe we can con- if he's listening and i'm sure he is he can contact us and maybe we can see about getting him on the show again sometime it would That's be cool fair. Maybe on the 100th, if nothing else. Yeah,
2: I was about to say, we we need to at least try to get a lot of our past hosts on the retrospective show. Oh, because
3: I I hear retrospective show, and I I see, you know, listening to 400 hours of episodes to get five minutes of clips. What we should do is have everybody back for one show. Mass pandemonium. Woohoo.
1: Maybe break it into two sections or something. (laughs) Because it'll be
3: huge. Yes. Vince, welcome back to the podcast you started.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah, we'll do, we'll do two halves and then a the third show. Julie shows up. Mm. <laughs> it's Julie's show. Oh, She's good for a whole show herself,
1: so. <laughs> All right. Next email.
2: All right. Our next one is from Robert Pinnell, Thor Cammer. Thorkey. Thorkey. And he writes, hello, everyone. And here's the thing.
1: <laughs> Here's,
2: Here's the thing. During your reviewathons, some of you often have questions or wonderings about components of the item you are discussing that, well, tend to be left out in space, since it is a reviewe format and not an interviewee format. Mm. But, in some cases, not all, mind you, the creator of the material you are discussing is alive and well. Hopefully, and might even be able to explain things these sodcasters are confused about. Put me down as one that would like to see more interviewee segments. Yours with the most sincere affection, Thorky. By the way, Liz, Cube's rule, Polly's drool. <laughs> bah Okay.
3: Yeah. Oh Somebody, man, we dodged can, a bullet on that one. Can you explain that to me? I didn't get it.
2: <laughs> well dice. Dice, with the Holmes basic system, it's all it's everything is D6. Oh, and whoa. So cubes rule, polys drool. Well, at least
1: <laughs> D6 damage and such. Gotcha. Oh,
0: yeah. man. I thought he was going to get on. yeah well, you, you was... know,
1: Uh we try to have the guests on when we can. Um I always figured that if we say something in a review that the author, you know, may subsequently hear – And want to correct that they would call a voicemail or send an
0: email in. We should have a rebuttal segment in the show. (laughs) Mm, Maybe not. Send in your rebuttals.
2: (laughs) Save or die, you are completely and totally wrong, and here's why.
0: (laughs) Then we could have Mike do like an editorial segment. Dot com. I get to do the editorial segment. What's wrong with gaming by Michael
1: Stewart? No, no, there's four hosts. We'd have to rotate it.
3: Yeah, yeah, that would be in order. Proficiencies, uh, nine point alignment system, uh, anything that's not second edition ADD or champions, and I don't know. I, I drew a blank on myself. What do I don't like?
1: Killing <laughs> characters, or letting characters live.
2: Oh,
0: no. Ascending, ascending armor class.
3: Uh. Um, Things that aren't homes. Oh, Pathfinder. Yeah, that's my thing. <laughs> okay, that'll work. All righty. Well, the, same,
0: the same one we call Pick a Fight with Saber Dog. Well, I mean, I, the,
3: the, the, the part of that, the, I mean, we get who we can get when we can get them, but I do like interview shows in general where it's just to have a an and talk to him. Yeah. Well,
0: talk to him. If he's got a product to shill, let him shill it, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I assume that, you know, if if we either aren't able to have the author on or if we do and something's forgotten, you know, <clears> by all means write or call in to correct any misconceptions.
2: All righty. Thank you, Dorky. <laughs>
0: And if that our- was a broad hint about not wanting to be on the show, we got it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next email is from Doc Mindwipe.
0: Hey, Doc. Go ahead.
1: Pronounce the name.
2: <laughs> Dear sods.
1: <laughs> well, he's English he, now. He can do that.
2: Hello. My name is Flaka, and I am a girl. <laughs> Actually, She's following
3: you, Jim. You know, when we play online, we have no evidence to the contrary.
2: That's true. I mean, true
3: enough. I mean, anybody can fake a profile picture.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: true dat.
2: Says, actually, me name is, and I'm going to attempt to pronounce this. And please don't kill me, Doc Mindwipe. Brenyar. But you know me as Doc Mindwiped. Or simply (laughs) Doc. I have been dabbling with various magic systems for a long time. I really enjoy creating new systems based on various books and book series. And so I have also dabbled with putting a layer of spell points on top of the Vancean magic system we all know and love slash hate with D&D. At lower levels, this spell point system doesn't do anything for the magic user, in terms of limitations, as the number of points he or she would accumulate greatly exceeds the spell levels he or she can memorize. However, at around seventh or eighth level, the points he or she receives starts to become less than the number of spell levels. And so the magic user has to start thinking about these things and get creative in other ways. I did this to prevent the magic classes becoming all too powerful and thus make the non-caster classes, thieves, fighters, and assassins, more attractive to play. In my own head, the system is quite simple. The caster is allowed a number of points equal to their con score plus two points per level. Hence, at first level, a caster with 12 con will have 14 points, at tenth right. level, the caster would have thirty-two points to cast, so going with the spell tables at first level, the caster can only cast one magic missile or whatever other spell he or she chooses, which is completely in accordance with the books. However, as the caster gains levels at seventh level, he or she can memorize four first, three, second, two, third, and one fourth for a total of twenty spell levels with the same twelve con caster as earlier. At that 7th level, he or she will have now accumulated 26 spell points. At 8th level, he can memorize another one each of 3rd and 4th level spells for 7 points, while he or she now has 28 spell points. I still enforce the fire and forget mechanic from d and D. I I actually think it's a very good mechanic otherwise, and the caster cannot cast two magic missiles if he has only memorized one. But as can be seen from this small example, once the caster gets high enough levels that their number of memorized spell levels exceeds the number of accumulated spell points, the player needs to start thinking differently and be selective not only with the spells they choose to memorize, but with the spell they want to cast in a given situation. Once the point pool has been used, the caster can now choose to save the day by casting one last spell that will render him or her in a coma for a number of turns equal to the amount of points below zero. So if the caster has two points left, chooses to cast a fifth level spell, he will be in a coma for three turns afterwards, and will need to rest for that same amount of days before he can memorize spells again. To regain the points a caster has, as has always been done, to rest, and we'll get back some 5 to 8 points, 4 plus 1d4, points per hour rested. Again, not a big problem at lower levels, but can become a small issue once the spell levels exceeds the total points. I hope this made some sense, otherwise I'll be happy to explain it further. Yours truly, Flaca fifes <laughs> with a 17 Charisma, or Doc if you prefer the real version. <laughs>
3: Oh my goodness, I don't know where to start. (laughs) Um, Thanks, Doc. Well, I see
1: it's apparently a method to get around the complaint I always have about spell points is the higher level you get, you really just start dominating the game even more than magic users already do. Because it seems like a lot of it's front-loaded. And as you're increasing in level, your points are still going up, but not proportionally as much so hmm
3: i think it's an interesting system i'd like to play test it and see how it actually works out but i can't believe this was written by the same guy who tells us he can't get his head wrapped around ascending armor class and Thaco. because <laughs> <laughs> holy crap
1: <laughs> that's that's true this is kind of mathy i mean yeah, it's maybe not it's the most the mathy but... they oh boy well,
2: maybe it's the thing you know i'm fantastic at advanced calculus but if you try to get me to do simple multiplication, I just go insane. Ah, <laughs> he's,
0: he's a savant then. Uh, well, Doc, what,
1: what Doc I like does, just to... doesn't want to worry his pretty little head about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, what I
3: like about just the general approach and idea is that it's what you just said, Mike. It's a way to try and – I mean, Gary Gygax set the system up to be balanced, and it's a way to try to fine-tune or improve that balance. I'd be interested mm-hmm. in playtesting it to see if that, how that works out.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it should compensate at least to a degree for that problem. But again, you know, it's one of those, it sounds great, how would it work in play?
3: Yeah. Well, maybe Doc can write us back and let us know how it's going in his campaign.
1: Yeah, import that into your game and let us know in a bit how it works. Yeah, we dare you.
2: Doc, come to North Texas RPG Con this summer and run a game for us.
1: Yeah. From Britain.
2: Yeah, yeah, it'll be easy. Fly here. Yeah. Easy. Come on. (laughs) Because
3: everybody that lives in England should experience Texas once in their life. It's like a whole other country.
2: (laughs) Come to Texas in the summer. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Like, oh, Cardiff's not so bad. (laughs) I've been to Texas. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Woohoo. Come on vacation, leave it probation. (laughs) No. No, No, that's that's LA. Yeah. That's LA.
2: All right, our next letter is from Ed.
0: Hey, Ed. Ed Ed. writes,
2: Hello, everyone. Ed Gunn. I just wanted to give you a quick note to let you know that I really enjoy your podcast. There are a lot of shows out there that I wish I had more time for. I make time for yours. Aw. Aww, Squishy (laughs) moment. I love talking about D&D the way we used to play it back in the day. Listening to you is like listening to old friends. From a loyal from a loyal listener, keep it up. Ed.
0: Thanks, Ed. Thanks.
2: Oh, I feel yeah, warm and fuzzy.
0: <laughs> I love you guys. And it doesn't even, it doesn't even involve kobolds. Wow.
2: <laughs> Ed, you are an honorary kobold now. <laughs> <laughs> Wear it with pride. Oh Lord. <laughs> well, thank
1: you.
3: That's better than being a torchbearer, because Mike runs the show, but Liz is the queen of kobolds
1: right what a guy i like to think i more just keep everyone from getting too far off tangent
3: yeah, which is such an easy job
1: <laughs> yeah all uh, righty well next one
2: okay and our next one actually this is our last email
1: really really?
2: really well it's our well, last, <laughs> last email for this show tonight quick grab some more Ah. So. Yeah. <laughs> And it is from Jared, and I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correctly. Sorry, Jared, if I screw it up. Jared Salitan, or Salitan, or something. Sorry, Jared. <laughs> Jared S. <laughs> Dear Save or Die hosts, thank you so much for a great show. Yeah. I started listening last year and have slowly caught up to current. This and the RFI podcasts have become regular sources of inspiration for my games, so thanks Mm. so much for all the great work. Thank you. I I was born in the late 80s and started gaming at about the time 3rd edition came out. However, my most formative gaming experiences were in an after-school game that ran from middle school through high school with a DM that started playing in the mid-70s and never stopped. At the time, I wasn't aware of what edition we were playing, but we loved it. I've since played a good chunk of third, tried fourth and said no quickly, D&D next, and other systems, yet felt the need to return to those old school games. Getting in touch with our old DM, I realized that we were playing a house-ruled blend of AD&D first edition and original D&D. I've since started up my own campaign using that mix of rules and have had a great time introducing old-school gaming concepts to a whole new group of friends.
1: Jared, actually, that probably could have described virtually all games in the late 70s and 80s. Uh, it, was,
3: <laughs> it was my first. A
1: blend.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, my my brother's campaign. That's what it was. Uh, AD, yeah. AD, AD&D, but it started at homes.
1: Yeah, I mean, except for going to a tournament. I didn't know anybody who played you know for instance AD&D by the book. Totally. You know,
0: back you know back then when I got involved in 81 I'd hear these guys talk like this and I would immediately avoid them. Well, because like I under, I understand I understand what they're saying a blend of like OD&D oh, basic and whatever and it probably was a fun game but the way they talked about it just turned me off.
3: Well no I just,
0: <laughs> it's it's like it was like listening to weird Pete or the comic book guy.
3: This is what I think he means, though, because Tim Cask to this day runs OD&D as his preferred system. But Tim Cask's OD&D is not the three little brown books. It's the way he remembers playing it for 30 or 40 years. It's it's, it's basically Tim's system.
0: It works for him. Mm -hmm.
1: I I think it's great, personally. I I will agree that there reaches a point when you house rule it and you're – playing a whole different game, I will agree that. But uh-huh. on the other hand, as long as it's, you know, recognizably the original game just with, you know, your own house rules, I don't see any problem with that at all.
3: For some reason in his letter I'm getting a picture of this first DM was like uh, the great Lebowski guy. <laughs> Big Lebowski? Oh, oh dude? No, no, little Lebowski. Oh, the dude? Yeah, the yeah.
2: dude. <laughs> okay. No, <I'm> not. Uh... <laughs> Anyway, Jared goes on to say, The reason I write is in regards to your show on alternative spellcasting rules. I wanted to share the system I've borrowed from my childhood one EDM and still use today. In our old school games, we allow casters to cast any spell they know. For clerics and druids, this is the whole list. For magic users and illusionists, this is only what they have scribed into their spellbook and successfully learned such that they do not have to memorize or prepare specific spells for the day. We do require them to get adequate sleep slash praying to have their spells for that day, and we do not use spell points, simply the amount of spells they would normally be allowed to cast per level. Uh To keep the game in check, we require casters one full round bringing up the spell, meditating on the spell and preparing the energies on the spot, because it was not memorized ahead of time. During this time, if they are hit, attacked, or otherwise have their concentration broken, they lose the ability to cast. (laughs) Additionally, when the spell is cast, we enforce a 5% chance of spell failure, 20 on a d20, in contrast to physical attacks failing on a 1, because it's essentially being prepared on the fly. You can modulate that chance based on circumstances to make it more or less difficult. NPC casters work the same way, which creates a great dynamic at the table of trying to interrupt casters. The system works really well for us. We play 1E but use an OD&D-like initiative system with combat in Holmes-like order of phases – spells, missile fire, melee, movement – alternating between sides at each phase. Using this spell system allows us to, one, maintain Vancean feel of spell books, scrolls, etc., two, maintain number of spells per day, three, allow casters greater flexibility of which spell to cast, while also preventing high-powered spells from just occurring each round, and four, allowing for spell casters to be interrupted during the bringing up, which for us channels the essence of 1E casting times. Anyway, I just thought I'd offer up the system we use. For us, it strikes a good balance between the pure Vancean system and more loose, spontaneous casting systems without getting too overpowered. Thanks again for the great work on the podcasts. Jared.
3: Thank you, Jared. Dude, Thanks, Jared. He just described no. my, the way my brother's run his campaign for 30 years. That's how the magic <laughs> system works in his campaign.
2: Yeah. That's how it's
0: working in Matt's now. Um,. You know we get free cat you get free casting with the clerics and the and the druids, but uh, you know the magic users have to toe the line more.
1: Mm-hmm. I like the idea of the kind of arbit well, not arbitrary exactly, but the uh, influence of casting time without actually going into the full casting time thing like, like AD and D does. Right. Depending on the level of the spell,
2: then it's this many segments and it's different.
1: And whatever you rolled on your initiative, you got it. Nah, I think that's a much more elegant system in that regard. You still get the impression that you can disrupt a spellcaster or at least have the chance.
0: That's right. And, uh, I'm. I am truly sorry, Jared. That uh, in all your D and D experience, you totally passed over Second Edition. Your loss. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: But uh, then again, you don't listen to Thaco's Hammer either. So blatant plug. Blatant plug. Blatant plug. <laughs> I'm just a little disappointed. That's all.
2: <laughs> we expect you to rectify this mistake immediately, Jared. <sighs>
0: Rectify it, Dave. Uh, (laughs) Well, like I say with old
1: school, you may not like everything, but you should try everything at least once. And that includes Thaco's Hammer.
2: But since this is the Save or Die podcast, we're glad you like us better.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you should still like us better, of course. (laughs) You should at least give give it a shot. That's all. All I care about is you listen to shows that I'm on, all right?
3: (laughs) You know what's weird about that is back in the day – it was all one game. We didn't worry about edition. So when the new books came out, we just bought them and started using those books. So we were when two oh, E yeah. came out, we were still basically playing one first edition AD and D, just using the two E books for like monster stats and stuff. It was weird well, how we did it then. We just we didn't think of it in terms of edition. We were just playing D and D. Well, like
1: I've said before, I, I almost, I can't recall ever meeting any DM at the time who had not run Keep on the Borderlands in AD and D. Or again, you know, G one through three, say in original or basic. I mean, it just you know we, we did, like you said we didn't think about that particular. Or
0: guys who, or guys who still played basic, running like uh, like the Demon uh, uh the, the the advanced modules, the first edition modules. Yeah, right, yeah. right. It's just one big game. Yeah, one big ball of game.
3: Boy, that wasn't just a big bag of emails. Those were pretty warm and fuzzy emails. I'm feeling Those good. Those were pretty cool. Worm-infested emails?
0: What? Oh, warm and fuzzy. Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Now watch.
0: Those were all the nice
1: ones. Liz left the the critical ones for the next show. <laughs> That's hey, the next one
2: I, I went in reverse chronological order from our oldest email up to about halfway through our backlog. So <laughs>
3: if people keep if, writing – there-
2: if there are a bunch of critical emails coming up, you know, it's not anything to do with the order I put them in. It's just all chronological.
3: <laughs> I, I think okay. we should invent a email point system based on Liz's con plus level.
2: Mm. Oh.
3: Yeah. That's well, a rush. And then
1: after, like, that, that number of emails she's read has, has been reached, she has to start making
3: saving throws.
2: Uh, or she falls into a coma. yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Well, you definitely hogged the XPs this episode reading all those emails.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Didn't cut am, us in on that EP action, man. I
2: am email master now.
0: You no you longer just that. email monkey. Yes. You no. Know. That's right. Master monkey.
2: Yes. Email master monkey. I am a name level mail monkey now.
0: Yes. I'm glad I'm not doing the email.
1: So, is that how you're going to head down the road tonight? We're carrying your mailbag over your shoulder?
2: Yes, my my now much lighter mailbag so I can make better time.
1: <laughs> the postwoman.
2: <laughs> I'm going postal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, that could be the next email episode. <laughs> right,
0: postal. Going
3: postal. <laughs> Excellent. How about you, Jim? Uh, I'm going down the road hitting refresh on my web browser to see if Vince has posted the last episode yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for broadband. <laughs> Glenn, I'm the
0: former email monkey, running down the road, screeching, flinging email poo. Nice. <laughs> At who? <laughs> well, who's in front of me? What, Liz? Get out!
3: Of the way. <laughs> all we need. I get
0: the we... email back, hey, me down. I,
3: I vote we get Glenn a set of uh, spider climb horseshoes, Crocs. There you spider go, spider climb Crocs.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: exactly. So my feet stink. Spider yeah.
2: Crocs. <laughs> Whereas, hey, that's a new monster. No, Got to stat that up, Spider Crocs.
1: Yeah. Whereas Look, I'm, I'm just heading down the road, trying to come to terms with my reincarnation as a dire ducka campus.
3: <laughs> 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 is that, is that like a twelve-sided duck? Yes.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Aquatic.
2: A dodecahedron.
3: There it is.
1: <laughs> ow, ow! Now there's a savor die t shirt. Since we like twelve ciders, and Honey. yeah,
3: <laughs> thanks, folks. Don't forget to tip your waitress on your way out.
1: <laughs> That's right. Good night, everybody. Sorry. Free arc. Bye.
3: Save or Die podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with D20Radio.com. The Save or Die theme music is provided by the band Mississippi Bones. You can find them at MississippiBones.bandcamp.com. The Save or Die email hot tub time machine was made possible by a generous grant from the Gallifreyan Society of Time Lords and by emails from listeners just like you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Save or Die.